What's going on, guys? It's Tanner with the Trade Thrive Podcast. Welcome back. In today's episode, I actually sit down with Joseph Toppy, uh, head of the High Performance Contractor. It's actually funny. I, I join a lot of Facebook groups, um, anything contract related, and he happened to be uh, the head of one, and I really like the stuff that he puts out. It's it's very similar to uh, the stuff that I teach. He's got a heart for contractors. He really wants to implement change. And in this episode, we just actually uh, set this up to kind of get to know each other. And at the end, I was like, dude, this is awesome stuff. Would you mind if I um, if I turn this into an episode for my listeners on the podcast? So he was cool with it. And uh, what you're about to listen to is a result of our conversation together, really just kind of happened. Um, but it was some really good business lessons and uh, some awesome stuff in it. So uh, without further ado, enjoy. I literally had enough. I could not do it anymore. I was tired of being a slave to my business. I could not make ends meet and I had to figure something out. And I started to develop systems, processes, standards for every part of my business. I had to stop working in my business. I had to start working on my business. And that is what the Trade Thrive Podcast is all about. My name is Tanner Mullen. I'm here to share with you how to get out of your own business. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? How are you? Good. Yourself? Doing pretty good, man. I appreciate you uh, reaching out to me, man. I, I'm actually more interested to hear about you than I'm sure you are for me, man. So what what's the high-performing contractor, man? I didn't really... You know, I've joined a bunch of them groups, so I, I have to be honest, I hadn't really looked into it much. Right, for sure. So I've, um, well, I put it together really just to help contractors really educate on three main aspects. Um, one is the financial aspect, um, yeah. you know, how to gain better financial intelligence, learn how to run a business essentially rather than just you know, operating a trade, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the other one is leadership and employees. Uh, one of the, well, the most costly aspect of any uh, trade company is employees. And right. um, for the most part, you know, I know when I, I mean, I have 20 years of owning and operating construction companies. I mean, wow. you do a crappy job with managing employees most of the yeah. time. So, you know, it's um, learning a different, um, a different way of managing and handling employees for uh, employee success or company success, less churn. I mean, um, you know, the thing that's crippling to companies is the, the churn of employees to where it becomes so costly to retrain, rehire. Then yeah, the, the time the and the energy and the lack of consistency. Oh, I, I can definitely attest to that for sure. Absolutely. And then um, the systemizing, right? you know, learning to build systems and build processes. And, you know, so I have my contractor operating system, right. Or operating process. We're looking at coming in and, and it's starting from the foundation aspect. And this is where I see most of the times um, why companies are not uh, very prosperous and very successful in growth where growth actually cripples them is because they don't have the foundation. Right. Uh, you know, if I was, and I always put it in the words that contractors can understand, you know, if I was to take a house and remove the roof, build a second story on it, the first thing the engineer is going to look at is the foundation. Yeah. 
you know, can the foundation handle the growth? Can the foundation handle it? So, you know, working with guys to look into all the fluff of it of, you know, what's your core values? What's your focus? What's, you know, what niche are you in? Um, and building systems from there so that not only the leadership team, but the organization can operate in a sense of their way, right? So... And wow. at the end of the day is really essentially just to create guys that are high performing, that they're, you know, they're doing things far above and exceeding those that are also in the industry. Um, with one main goal in mind is to build a company that provides them the freedom they desire. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's there. And I've, I've learned that it's people usually aren't that far away from it. You know, uh, it does. It's just this like one major barrier, I think, that needs to be overcome. Um, majority of the people that I help uh, really struggle with the aspect of removing themselves from the business. They're just so controlling. And uh, it's like, you know, if you're there, who's doing the sales and the marketing, man? I yeah. mean, because the production's not the growth. The production's just the result of growth and the promise to be kept. And, you know, it's, it's a backwards thing. And I, I think we, we share the same passions, man. I'm, I, uh, I'm a third generation painter. Um, so I watched, watched it as I grew up and took over the business and said, you know, I'm a sales and marketing guy and it worked out well for me, you know, and it, it worked out for anyone, but a lot of the people who were helping make that transition or production first. So teaching them these principles, pretty valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things is, is teaching these guys, you know, um, you're a sales heavy guy and um, I work with a lot of sales, sales coaches and things like that. Um, good friends with them. Uh, but one of the biggest things is, is sales doesn't equal profitability, right? Sales equals revenue. Right. You know, it would be the same thing as if, you know, if I'm selling $20 bills for $10, I can sell those things all day long, but I'm losing money, right? right. It's having that financial intelligence. And I have a, a profitability formula that I teach on, but it's, you know, sales equals revenue, not profitability, but financial intelligence plus sales plus man, uh, money management equals profitability. And, you know, you remove any one of those three and the whole thing crumbles. Yeah. You could have financial intelligence, have sales, but you don't know how to manage your money. Well, you're going to be tanked in, you know, the next, you know, six yeah. to 12 months. Yeah. Uh, and again, you remove any one of them. Uh, but again, it's about building that foundation having, you know, then having the sales and then, you know, being able to manage it through systems and processes. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So are you currently a contractor now or? No, 2020 is actually the first year in the last 20 that I have not either owned and operated or had ownership in a construction company. So, really? Yeah. So I've been um, coaching. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm yeah. actually, you know, you say that, but uh, I'm kind of twirling something in the back of my head. I have for the last eight months, I've been under this whole kick of if I had to start over today, what would I do different? You know, if I, if I had no company, if I had no employees, no sales, no marketing, no 
email list, no customers. If I had to start over today, what are the things that I would do differently? And that's kind of been the worm in my brain the last eight months, so to speak. So, you know, I'm kind of tossing this idea of starting a company just on that basis, right? And documenting it. It's that whole fit to fat to fit yeah. of process. Yeah. So. I like that. So, so are you actually going to be starting the company? Like, is that the goal? I, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it's about, something in the back of my mind. Like, um, it'll be a really cool docu, docu series that man to see. You know how quickly you can you can get a company profitable. You know, and exactly, and that's one of the biggest things. Like, you know, for me, it wouldn't be so I can start a construction company. I don't. I don't want a construction company, right? I, for me, it would be to document, to be able to show, you know, all of the people that, you know, I work with and all right. of those that follow me, you know, that you can. It, it's, it's very easy and simple to start up a profitable construction company with very little when managed properly, you right. know? And I think that's one of the, the biggest things I've, Again, this has been something eight months that's just kind of been eating at me. So, you know, asking people, what would you do differently, right? And a lot of people are like, oh, instead of landscaping, I would do, you know, concrete. Or, you know, I would, uh, I would build a website that's SEO, you know, optimized. And I think a lot of them miss the big picture, you know? If I was to start over, I would take everything I know and I would be, I'll, I'll put it in story form for you. Have you ever read the book, uh, Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki? I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. Um, Cashflow Quadrant, very good, very, very good book. Um, I actually liked it a lot better than Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But he tells a story and I'm going to paraphrase and keep it simple, but he tells a story about two guys. Um, Jim and Bob will call them that won a contract in a village to supply water from the stream that was a mile away to the village. So when the village uh, awarded both gentlemen the biz, uh, the contract, Jim right away got two buckets, got a bicycle, and would every day ride down to the river, grab water, bring it back. Right. Grab it down, and that's all he did. Well, Bob disappeared. Bob just took off, disappeared. Jim was happy about it, right? No competition now. And Bob went out and he built a business plan and he found investors. He got engineers to design a pipeline. He got, you know, the investors money to build a pipeline. He came back, he worked in the background building a pipeline from the stream to the village. And a while later, he comes to the village with an unveiling party and a tap on the end of this pipeline. Now, Bob goes, you know what? I can provide the water on demand. We don't have to wait for Jim to bring buckets of water back. Um, it's on demand. It's cleaner than Jim's and I can do it for less money. So Jim sees this and what he does is he buys more buckets and he buys lids for his buckets to keep the water cleaner. Right. And he tells his kids, you're going off to college, but when you're done, hurry back so you can help me provide <laughs> water. Now, how many companies, when they get a second or a third chance or when they hear something motivating or something, they become more like Jim, where instead of really 
taking a look and a focus back on the foundation and the root of the company. They look at all of the extra things that they could possibly maybe someday do. Right. And, uh, you know, the whole concept is if I could start over today. Dig the well first. I would build, I would go, you know, build my business plan. I would know what my core values are, what my core focus is. That alone, now you have a, a scale right. to weigh every decision on. Right. Do I hire this employee? Well, is he, does he operate in my core values? Right. No. Yeah. And what I've realized is that, you know, for, for majority of uh, people is that they actually start their business out of um, spite, <laughs> you know, they've gotten fired from somebody or, you know, it's very rare that people go in and have the luxury to start a trade business with uh, the mindset that you're describing, because usually number one, it's out of scarcity and spite mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they have to get started. Um, very rarely have they built up this, this stockpile of money that they're ready to invest and do all these things in the trades. It just doesn't really happen that often. So I think it's just become, that's really the only way is that they go through a lot of mistakes and then they realize, okay, like, now I have to pump the brakes, but usually they have jobs that still need to be done. And it's just this cycle that they yeah. can never really break free from until they do 20 years and they come out and they want to go back in and, and do it the right way. So yeah. how do you prevent that? Like, how do you, how do you pump the brakes on someone's operation and get them to change essentially their character and their beliefs? You know? I think a, a couple main ways, I completely agree with you. I, you know, I, it's out of an urgency. It's out of a necessity of I yeah. need money, right? So they become right. money chasers uh-huh. rather than actual businessmen, right? Right. And, and I think that's the key. And it was something that I was challenged with back in 2007 from a gentleman that actually became, um, I sat under him for four and a half years as a mentor. And it was the whole reason why, I went down the path that I went down, but he challenged me with, he said, what are you? Right. And he didn't ask me what I did. Right. He asked me strategically, what are you? And for me at the time, I'm like, I'm a carpenter, damn it. Right. And you know, I, I took my identity in the trade and he proceeded to ask me, he said, are you a carpenter doing carpentry work or are you a businessman? operating a carpentry company. And I didn't get it at first, right? I was young, I was naive, I I didn't get it at first. And um, I remember the day I got it and it hit me that, you know what? It's one, what am I doing? Am I a carpenter? Well, if I'm a carpenter, then I'm going to operate any business that I have, which will be a carpentry business because it's the only thing I know, out of the skills and knowledge of the trade right that never succeeds right right but if i'm a businessman then it doesn't matter what business i do whether it's carpentry concrete or sell women's shoes i have the foundation and the mindset to succeed right and i think that the foundation and the mindset is being resourceful and utilizing resources outside of your own capabilities Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things for these guys is a lot of them, they get in the business because they, they have a skill, they have a trade. They're great at what they do, most of them, right? So that's their strong port, their strong, you know, their strengths. 
So instead of really tapping in and working hard on those strengths, they pump the brakes, but in the wrong way. They pump the brakes and say, oh, I got to hire. So they hire a laborer. And then, you know, they hire this guy and everything below them. And to keep the company running. But what happens there for the most time, quality goes down, customer satisfaction is less. They actually have less time because they're running around like chicken because they're not managers. They're not, you know, businessmen. Where I always encourage your first hire, not in labor. Your first hire is a bookkeeper that can answer the phone. If you didn't have to answer a phone as a new company on the job site, but you could just focus on getting the job done, how much more work could you get done, which equates to how much more money could you make? Interesting. And I would say that I would have to disagree with you there because okay. I, at this point in time in my business, I answer the phone because I believe that the phone is one of the most important aspects of a business. It's not something that I would tell somebody who's starting a business to delegate away from. Chances are, if you're starting a business, the phone's not going to be ringing that much. And for me, I would say that my first thing that I would tell somebody to do is find somebody that can replace them. That's the first hire that needs to be made. Somebody that can run the day-to-day -day operations. Now, a bookkeeper and accountant, yeah, I, I think an accountant, I, I hire a firm. So I have a firm that handles my accounting. But in terms of the phone, I've had someone answer my phone. But guess what happened every time they answered the phone? They would pick up the phone and they would say, okay, hold on, let me call Tanner. And Tanner would actually have to answer the questions of whoever's calling. And what this does, it was, it was essentially, they were just essentially spam filters, the, the person that I hired to answer the phone. Um, that is my, my advice to somebody who's just starting out would be, again, is to find what I like to call an ace, somebody who is able to run the job. And, and I think that, you know, even at this time, four years into my business, I answer my phone. I probably get six to eight calls a day, but from there I'm able to sell, I'm able to delegate um, responsibility, but I'm also able to do that from the office because I've created that foundation where I'm not in the field. So for me, it's not much of a trade-off. Right. And here's where, you know, hearing that from you, you probably differ because you're more of the business mindset, right. probably going seeing three generations of it, learning from it, right? You're not the trade heavy. And the whole aspect is for them to operate in their unique abilities, right? If they're a guy that is a trade, but doing the actual painting is not their forte, but selling is, then hire a painter. And here's another example. My last big um, construction-based company I own was a concrete company. Okay. Do you know what I know about concrete? What's that? Jack all. <laughs> I built it into a seven-figure company overnight, and we had anywhere from 26 to 40 guys working for us. I yeah. knew Jack about concrete, but I knew concrete was a hot market. I knew there was a hole in the market. And at that point, I was operating in the industry as a businessman, not a tradesman, right, right. right? So I operated in my strong suit and I hired those. Right. Most of the guys that are starting out, they're tradesmen, right? So they, their strong suit is not the selling. Their strong suit's not the phone. Their strong suit's not 
system building, organizational, financial intelligence, their strong suit and their unique ability is on the tools. So we have a concept where we find it necessary to hire down. And I, I encourage hire up, you know, hire guys. I've thought about that. I've thought about that. It's very rare though, in my opinion. I mean, if you think of somebody as being a technician, this is just a level one higher up, in my opinion, you have this technician who's good at painting. I'm going to use painting because that's my thing. Yeah, but for sure. Good at painting. Does he, though, does he then go ahead and hire a salesperson to sell paint jobs that he can paint? Because guess what happens? Eventually, that salesperson, and, and this, is, this is the theory, and I've thought about this, and I agree with you that that is a great concept, but that salesperson only has the ability to accept commission off of the production that he's able to sell so in other words he can only sell one job a week for this one painter to paint now at some point there's going to be another painter alongside this guy who the salesperson then sells for at what point does the guy who is just so tied to painting that he had to hire up at what point does he stop doing it and realize he's much more valuable in a supervision role of the trade? He can hire up a, a salesperson, but how much, at what point does he make that transition? And I think it depends on the person, right? It depends on if they even have that leadership in that. I work with, and I know a lot of companies and guys, owners, they're not leaders. They're a guy that's great with a paintbrush or a hammer or something like that. Yes, they have a business. And I think this is the trap that a lot of companies get into. And I actually, I'm dealing with one company right now. There's three partners. So it's this issue times three, right? It's because they own a company that they feel the need that they have to be the executive and the CEO of their company. Um, what I have learned is the worst CEO of any company is the owner. And the reason being is because it's their blood, sweat, and tears that is in the company, right? They run it emotionally and they're not educated for it. They're, they don't have the knowledge of it. They don't know how to systemize. They don't know how to build processes They because they're trades, right? They're trades. So it's, you know, I, I know a lot, you know, um, there's a lot of guys that, you know, built their businesses, worked their way up, you know, for me, the only way I was ever successful as the head of any of my companies was when I made that switch from tradesman to businessman. Right. And my whole focus was business, not the trade. Right. right. You at one point were a tradesperson. Absolutely. And I was right. mediocre and, until and I made me, that. I'm hearing this and it's like, I can't justify somebody owning a business that wants growth to say, okay, we're going to work around you because you don't classify yourself as a leader. And I think that what we're doing in that sense, my personal opinion is that we're saying that a leader has to be somebody who's outgoing, has to be assertive, has to be all these different things. But there's also certain leaders that just have the most knowledge of the trade and they earn respect that way. And Absolutely. I think, and I think instead of tailoring the business to their weakness, in my opinion, I think we should, the, the idea for me, if I came across somebody who, again, wants growth, 
but doesn't identify as a leader, I think that there's no, you can't have one or the other because if you don't have the leadership to oversee and implement standards and policies and um, anything like that with who you're hiring up, because guess what? They're employees. They have no vested interest in the business. So ultimately they're going to have to be overseen, managed. That's going to require a leader to do that is that eventually what's going to happen is, is that, you know, you have this, this, I, I honestly think it's, it's, it's a, it's a bubble that's eventually going to pop because there's no, nobody running the show with authority. So I think for me, if I come across someone like that, my only, my only approach would be to develop a leader out of them and utilize some of the things specifically that they're good at to help them see the leader in them and, and put them in a position. And again, if you have somebody that is a technician, in my opinion, um, they should be in a position of supervising um, all aspects of the trade. And again, hiring up is great for the things that they don't have time to learn. Like, for example, I'm working on starting a software company. I don't plan on learning code and I, I don't know code. I don't want to learn code. It's too deep. It'll take me too long. So I have to have, even though that's a weak spot for me, which would be sales for somebody who is uh, heavy production, I also know that I know how to oversee people. And even if I don't know exactly what they're doing, I can make sure that they're on time, make sure that the checkpoints are being made, make sure that the payments are being processed, make sure all these things, that's a level of leadership. And I think it really just comes down to um, more so confidence um, in, in, in the vision and leadership and vision go hand in hand. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I think, you know, I, I think we're, we're going down the same path, but on opposite ditches. Well, we, I think we help you know, different people. I think that you, well, no, no, no. What I'm, I'm saying is I agree about the leadership thing. And I'm not saying that the trade guy should be the laborer, right? right. You know, you're absolutely right. You know, he's got to be a leader, right? But within his own unique abilities. Sure. You know, yeah, that's that where means, I was getting. Yeah. We got to find mean, out what exactly we can extract from this person that, that he needs to see for himself. Absolutely. And that is one of the biggest things that I always say. So, for instance, most of the guys that I work with that are business owners, they fall in that COO kind of customer satisfaction that's the thing they love okay right um they love the being on the job site at part-time they're great at it they're able to keep the quality control there which is what their vision is they want to provide a high quality they like interaction with the customer and seeing their dreams become reality right they are a leader you're absolutely right you know again and this is where, you know, what I said, maybe, you know, it was taken as I'm like, keep them as the laborer, damn it, right? No, <laughs> you know, they, they got it. They got to play and operate one in their strengths. But also, you know, what I said in the beginning of this call is building a company that provides them the lifestyle they desire. You know, most of these guys, you talk with them, they don't want a lifestyle of the stress of being the where the buck stops they don't want to be the guy that's you know answering all of the pissed off customers and the guy that's you know looking at vendors and suppliers and building those relationships you know they want to be the guy that is looking at the on-site 
making sure the customer's dreams come to reality. And this is just the consensus I get from, you know, the guys that I work with and it's putting them in that, but hiring again, like you said about the code, you're building a software company, essentially by getting someone else to do the, the coding, you're hiring up. Right. You know, so it's, it's that these guys, they don't want to do the estimating. They don't have the financial intelligence to do the full big financial picture, hire a guy right. that knows, you know, costs, knows expenses, knows the financial picture of a business, you know, and that's well, where you I, know, I mean, you know, this marketing sales and production are the, the big three. And if you have this technician who is unfamiliar um, with a lot of the other aspects of marketing and sales, hiring up would be hiring an SEO company to take care of, you know, your marketing, hiring somebody to build your website, delegating all these different things. Like I didn't go to accounting school. First thing I did was I went and I hired an accountant to handle everything, all the changes that happened uh, when the tax code was changed. Like I, I probably would have lost way more money yeah. trying to do it myself than what they saved me because they know what to do. Like they know how to do it. So, and I'm not going to, I'm still not going to go to accounting school, even if I, you know, it's just the way that it is. So I see what you're saying. And I, and I, and I know that we have synergy in that area, man. I just like to hear, you know, I know that maybe we service different people. I think the majority of the people that I help um, are really one to three man operations trying to really kick the engine on. And I know that, you know, to be honest, as a startup, as a, as a one man show, you at least have to do everything. And you're going to gravitate to what you're most comfortable with. But what I would say is use things like an accountant, use software, <laughs> hire people to do your SEO, hire lead generation companies. I mean, hire all these things and spend the money on it because ultimately what that's going to do is it is going to allow you to play to your strengths. Um, Absolutely. And, and I and, say the same exact thing and hire those people before you worry about hiring crews and crews and crews of laborers. Right. Get that. Stay get that on the tools. Yeah. Stay doing what you're good There's at. There's guys that could be honestly technicians, which I like. I mean, if they did it right, if I wanted to just go paint my own houses, the way I have automation set up, the way I have lead gen set up, the way I have this, in this case, I would take your advice and I would get somebody to answer my phone if I'm doing the painting. Yeah. Um, the way I have an accountant set up, the way I have everything set up, I'd be fine. Yeah. Well, and it all starts with asking the person, you know, right. what's your ideal role? What's your unique ability? What are the things you enjoy doing? You right. know, because again, if we're building a business to make money, it's not a good enough reason. Money is right. the outcome of having a business, right. right? But you want something deeper. You want fulfillment. You want, you know, to wake up in the morning and fist pump because you get to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the Within goal when you go to business. business. Sure. So the first thing is if you could play your optimal role using your most unique ability and your business is built around that, what would that be? And like right. I said, most of the guys in the trades, I find, you know, they are, I want to, you know, be on site a little bit. I want to still work with my hands, right? Because I mean, tradesmen, they're wired a little different. They like to work with their hands. They like to get out. They like to, you know, 
I, I want to still interact with customers. I had okay. somebody, I, I had somebody that I tried to help transition and I'm going to bridge the gap between your point and an experience that I had this kid. It was somebody that I wanted to help get out of the brush. And I was really pushing on sales and marketing. He turns around to me and says, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what I would do throughout the day. Like, he's like, I don't even know how, like, what do I do? Like, if, if I'm doing sales and marketing, how would I fill my day up? And it's like, he's just, he, and you could tell that there was love there of, of what he was doing. So tailoring the, that approach to him uh, in that specific situation, I agree with for sure. You know, he just had no clue. Even if he did figure out sales and marketing, he just had no idea like what that life would look like for him because he's so ingrained in the physical work. Are you familiar with Dan Sullivan? No. Okay. Strategic coach. Amazing guy. He talks a lot about the unique ability side of things, right? And one of the things that I've adapted and I teach on is operating in your unique ability because if you're good at, let's say you're good at painting right. and you can make a hundred dollars an hour painting, okay. but your day is filled with, you know, 40% painting and 60% of stuff you're not good at bookkeeping. Let's say you're not good at sales. You're good at painting, you know, sales, this, that, and the other. And at that stuff, you really only bring about $30 an hour worth of value to it, right? So 180 plus four, you bring about $580 worth of value to your company a day. Right. But now if you can hire someone to take that six hours off and they're good at it and you're going to pay them $30 an hour, let's say. So that's $180 worth of cost to you, but you're able to operate for eight hours a day at your unique ability right right you make eight hundred dollars well you just made eight hundred minus one eighty six hundred and twenty so you're six you're twenty dollars or no sorry you're two hundred and twenty dollars to the good so where is that point where you operate as much of that day as much of your capacity we all have a capacity limit right operate as much of that capacity in your unique ability which has financial benefits, which has peace of mind benefits, which has, you know, joy benefits. And you delegate, automate, or eliminate the rest. Yeah. You know, you talked about automation. I think automation and technology is one of the most untapped things in the construction industry. Absolutely. Um, That's you know, there's job. so much. This is, this is the company here, man. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. look forward to seeing what you guys produce. Oh, absolutely, there. man. Absolutely. You know, but you know, what can you automate? What if all this time sucking stuff that you're not good at, can you automate? What stuff can you delegate? What can you hire somebody or, you know, hire a firm, you know, yeah. or, you know, delegate off? Or what is the stuff that you just have to flat out get rid of, you know? Um, Ariana Huffington from the Huffington Post, she says, you know, the quickest way to stop doing something is to stop doing it, <laughs> right? Like just yeah. eliminate yeah. it, <laughs> you know? Um, and it frees you up the ability to 
operate. You know, I have a bit of a, a, a two-pronged look at business. One is, is the financial. I'm a money guy, right? I, I talk a lot on financial intelligence. I work a lot as a virtual CFO for companies, right? The financial aspect of the business is definitely my sweet spot and my strong spot. So, you know, money, <laughs> I'm big on the money of business, but it's also the fulfillment and joy and making an impact, right? And it's, you know, having them in balance and it's everything from, you're offering to the role as an owner you you yourself hold. Um, because, I mean, how many owners do you know that are stressed out to the max? And, you know, it's like a parent-child relationship. Their employees now see that. Their employees have insecurity of, you know, well, the boss is always stressed out financially. Or are we going to have a job tomorrow? You know, because he's not operating in his yeah. abilities. Trickle down, man. It's the Absolutely. trickle down effect. Man, so. dude, it was pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Trade Thrive Podcast. My name is Tanner, and if you haven't done so already, head over to TradeThrive.com. Take a look at some of our contractor courses designed to help take your business to the next level. Till next time, this is the Trade Thrive Podcast.